You are listening to the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Burton, and thank you for tuning in to this week's message. Before we get to it, though, I would love for you to join us for Church Online each Sunday morning at 1045. You can watch on our website at cbcmaysville.com or on our Facebook page at Central Baptist Church. Also, if you are local, we would love for you to join us in person each Sunday at 1045. We are located right on the banks of the Ohio River in the east end of Maysville, Kentucky at 437 Central Avenue. If we can pray for you, reach out to us on our website at cbcmaysville.com or on our prayer hotline. That number is 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. I hope you enjoy this message. Now, it's good uh, to see our, our, uh, our church family uh, outside of, of, these, of these walls. And that's really kind of what we're, we're going to, to, to look at this morning as we conclude our series in, in worship. We've spent um, with some interruptions here there the last several weeks looking at worship and how we are created to worship. And so we, we started with our, our definition. Anybody remember what that is? That we, our worship is our response to God's revelation of who he is and what he has done. And so we, we have to start at the right point, realizing that it is us responding to God, who he says he is and how he is to be worshiped. And, and so what does that, that look like in the context of, of the church in our own personal spiritual lives and in our worship services? And, and this morning, we're going to look at worshiping uh, in our everyday life. Uh, for light worship is more than just what we do in on one hour and 15 minutes or so on a Sunday on a Sunday morning in fact the word worship is an old english a word that that, that really is is kind of two words it is a worth ship it is it is giving one honor praise adoration glory all those things who is worthy we have him worthy of worship, worthy of praise. So we worship God because he is worthy and he is worth it. But how do we do that? You know, how do we do that in, in, um, in, our, in our normal, just everyday, honestly, the kind of the mundane aspects of life? So we said you know, earlier in, in a previous message is that a lot of the times we, we feel worship kind of in an emotional state. It's, it's that thing that, that kind of gives us, it kind of moves us. And absolutely, it's, it's hard not to be moved when you're singing a, you know, a song like, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. And, or revive us again. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Yes, it does it, it moves us emotionally because emotions are a gift from God. Um, but it's not just about emotions. For if we only worshiped when we, when we wanted to, then, then honestly, it's more about us, right, than it is about the one who is worthy of worship. And so we're going to look at this morning how to worship. 
in our everyday lives with our complete with our complete selves. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at a passage that, um, honestly, that, that, that may not think, what does this have to do with, with worship? Music's not addressed in it at at all, it, it it doesn't really talk about you know one reading our our, our Bible or or praying or anything. But but as we're gonna see, it is all about worship. And I'm gonna go ahead and kind of give you the answer, all right, to what true worship is, and then we're gonna unpack that in these last moments that we have together. And so let's we're gonna read our passage together. I'm going to look at it starting in verse 18 of Luke chapter 18. So you see that a ruler asked him, meaning Jesus, he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, right? Do not commit adultery. Do, do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And kids, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these I have kept from, from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, oh, oh one thing though, you, you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, Oh, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, then who could be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so we see in these verses here, this, this teaching moment that Jesus has with this this ruler. And just kind of based on just kind of looking at the history and the, the, the context of this passage, he was likely a religious ruler, probably a teacher in the synagogue. Well-respected, obviously had a lot for he, was, for he was wealthy. And he has a question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a question that we all should be asking. And we all need to obey the answer that is given. But we see that true worship, true worship of all of us requires complete surrender. You want to be a worshiper? Then you must be a surrenderer. I don't even know if that's a word, but uh, I must walk around with the, the white flag 
raised all the time. I think that's crazy. You know, people who surrender are are weak, right? We don't want to be weak. We're we're strong. People are is to, to dominate those that that are our opponents, and and that's not how to inherit the kingdom of God. It's a Scottish missionary and. Uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, named uh, Andrew Murray. And Andrew was uh, spent his time as a missionary in, in South Africa. And, and he wrote quite a, a bit. I found that because in that era, there was a lot of, uh, of book writing. I guess they didn't have, you know, Instagram and, and YouTube to spend hours on. They, they just spent time writing. Uh, but um, but in, in one of his uh, books, he write, wrote on this concept of, of surrender. And he said that, that, that man, humanity, we as people, we have two lessons that we must learn in life. There's two main lessons, obviously more teachers, you, you know, you can't just get these two and be, be done with it. But there, there's two main lessons that, that one, we will all encounter, right? But we must, we must learn this in our our lives. And the first lesson that we must learn is that salvation is impossible to man. It's impossible to man. Murray says that though this lesson here, it takes often a long time for man to learn this lesson. It takes a long time for us to, to understand that salvation is impossible to us, whether this is the person that is, you know, at the, that has no connection with a, a church or, or any religion, or those that are, you know, born on the pew and spent their entire lives in, in the church. Salvation is impossible to us. But yet, we are, as the Bible says, a stiff-necked people. And it's a hard lesson for us to learn because we often try to, to earn. We try to, to, to do what we must do to, to get to that, that, that point of, of being good enough. Look here, Jesus is speaking to this, this man. The ruler said, he said, good teacher. What does he say? What must I do? to inherit eternal life. Now, Jesus didn't just go ahead and say, all right, this is what you must do. Here's your list of things, the checklist. You got to do this. You got to do that. You do that. You do that. And then when you get all of these things done, I'll double check your work and then I'll grade it and give you, you know, the score and the red pen. And, and, and then if you get it, you know, like a nine, I don't know what the scale is for an A, 93 to 100 is back in, back in my day. But, uh, you know, then, hey, that you're good. All right now, if you're down in the 80s, hey, look, you're on the right track. What you need to do is just, you know, go back and, and do some more studying. You need to get some more. Hey, I tell you what you can do is get somebody that may, you know, maybe this comes pretty good to them and, and you can learn from them. And then, then once, you, once you get that, you can bump that grade up and then you can, you can get eternal life. That's not what Jesus does, is he? No, look, he says... Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, this statement can uh, probably causes a little uh, puzzle in your mind because 
All right, you say, you call me good, but nobody's good except God alone, right? But if you hope in Sunday school grow up, right, you know that, well, Jesus is what? He is God, the second part of, uh, of the Trinity. So, so, and that's absolutely right. And Jesus in his divinity, right, he is a God. He is the perfect son of uh, God. And so that's absolutely true. Yes, Jesus is good. <laughs> But understanding where Jesus is coming from in this, in this passage, Jesus is saying this to make, make a point. Because we know, right, this man is, is, is a, a religious uh, ruler. And, and, and so he would be well-versed in, in the, the Hebrew scriptures. And also he probably is not, um, um, you know, and he may be searching here, may be genuine, or he could be as many of the other religious leaders uh, trying to, to catch him and, and blaspheming the, the God of the Bible. And, and so Jesus says, why do you call me good? So this man would know, right, that, that God is good, right? Because the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, throughout it declares that God is good and no one else is good except God God alone. So in part, he is confirming what this man believes in himself, right? That only God is good. And also he's kind of rejecting, if, if they're going this direction, and it's kind of some conjecture here, but if he's going that direction to try to trick Jesus into saying, well, look, yeah, hey, thanks for calling me good, because, you know, God and I, we're, on the, we're one and the same. Well, then he could say, well, you are a blasphemer. And so what he does in here is, I think, is seeks to humble this man. Or you can almost imagine the tone with which he's saying this, right? Well, good teacher, what must I, I do to, to inherit this eternal life? And then Jesus says, well, hey, look, you know the commandments. It's almost like this is, you know, one of our aid students here. Hey, you know, right? Do not commit adultery. Here's the checklist. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Right? Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. And honor your father and mother. I can see him. It's like, and he said, Whoa. Well, all these things I, I've kept from my youth. Hey, I'm good. I, you know, there's nothing else that I, I need to do. Man, I, I, I'm, a sure, I'm a sure thing here. But again, Jesus humbles him. Look what he says. Well, not so fast. <laughs> There's one thing that you still lack. He says, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. And after you've done that, then you can come and, and follow me. I'll talk about Hitting to the, the core of, of a person. For Jesus knew that this man was, on, on his own, was not going to do that. Why? He was sad. Because he had so much to lose. Now, you know, I, and I, we probably read this passage several times, and it's in, in, in some of the other Gospels as well. And just on a kind of a, a surface level cursory reading, it, 
Do you find that it's easy to kind of feel sorry for this rich man? It is, you know, it's like, man, I think Jesus was being a little, a little harsh here. I mean, this guy was coming to him with a, this question, and boom, he says, look, man, you're not as good as you think you are. You know what, if you want to get into, you, you got to get rid of everything that you have. And he couldn't do that. You can almost kind of see Jesus as, as being a bully here. You know, it, it, it might, Jesus is kind of being un, un, unreasonable. And I can almost kind of picture that, that, uh, that uh, those that, that are around him that are hearing this, they might be thinking the same. They're kind of probably like their jaw is dropping at what Jesus is telling this man. That, you mean, you got to get rid of everything. And have you ever been you know, a student? Wise, I know our teachers don't 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 do this, but but uh, you're 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 uh, um, in in the classroom sitting there, and, and then you see the teacher just go off on a student. I just, I mean, just unload on them in front of 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 everybody in. And you're thinking, okay, you know, she's probably right. But thank goodness she went to him instead of to me. Right? <laughs> right? And they're like, you know, I'm not going anywhere, anywhere near that. And I can almost see that that's what, you know, the, the people that are around here, Jesus, and, you know, this guy is feeling big and strong. He's coming in. He's going to put Jesus in his place. And, and, and everybody else is just kind of moving, moving away. I don't want to get caught in the crossfire here. What do they say? They answer a, a valid question, probably the most truthful statement here. Then who can be saved? That's a natural question to ask. If that's what is required of us, right? To, uh, to, to not only keep all of the commandments, which honestly... I mean, I think he probably has an issue with the, the, the lying part because, um, because as Jesus' other teachings, he shows that, that even if we have not committed murder, if we have hatred toward our brother, another than, than we've committed murder in our own heart, or if we have, have lusted after a woman with our eyes and we have committed adultery in, in our hearts. It says, basically, you've got to give up everything in order to follow me. So they're like, wait, then it can be saved. You might think, well, then why even try if this is the standard that we must, must, must follow? Why do, we, why do we try? I mean, this guy, this is the, the man, we, we, you know what, this is the A student. This is the, the all-star academic team captain. And, you know, he's probably a good athlete too. You know, he can hit the ball out of the park every at-bat kind of a deal. And uh, the, uh, the All-American. And, if he can't do it, then how in the world can us little peons earn eternal life? And well, the thing is, is that as we see that salvation is impossible to man, you can't do it. 
You can't try hard enough. You can't be good enough. You can't follow the the role. You can't memorize enough Bible verses. You can't have a a stellar Sunday school career uh, track record. You can't, you know, come to church every time the doors are open enough. You can't, you know, serve enough. You can't give to the poor enough. You can't do, you can't do enough. It's impossible. And a lot of people have spent so much time trying to be the best version of themselves that, that they're just in this rat race, that you're, you're never there. You're never, you gotta keep, you got to keep going to the, next, to the next level. And so if you look at many of the false religions in the world today, that, that, that's what they do is that, that in order to get to this heightened state, we might say eternal life, they have different views on that. It's you've got to get to these steps. And then when you get here, you get this, you get there, you get that. And sometimes and some, you have to pay a whole lot of money in order to get to those places. But none of them will provide salvation. So what happens to many people is we get to a point where we just give up. We just quit trying. We're like, look, I tried this Christianity stuff, and it just wasn't, wasn't for me. I, I, I just couldn't get into it. I just felt like I never, I was never there, you know. And I just, and then I, then I see these other people that I'm around, and like, man, they're so goody two shoes. And I, like, I don't even know if I want to be like that. And then even if I did, it's like I, I can never compare to, 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 to some of those people. And, and so they just stop trying and maybe just reject Christianity altogether. You know, there, no one likes a quitter, Jay. No one likes a quitter. We usually, you know, it's ridicule them, make fun of, of, uh, of quitters because I'm That's not what strong people do. When things get tough, you dig in deep, you try harder, right? And to be honest, from a spiritual perspective, those are some damaging words. Because if we do not quit trying to earn our salvation, we'll never obtain it. If you don't quit trying to save yourself, then guess what? You're going to be the top A student, number one in, in hell. Now, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess to be at the top of your class in, in hell, but I'd rather be at the, at the bottom in, in heaven. The thing is, in the kingdom of heaven, there. There is no uh, comparison for all our focus will be in worship of the one who is perfect, is holy, provides salvation. And so the best place for you and for I to, to be is completely helpless. To quit trying to earn our salvation, to quit trying to earn God's favor because you can't do it. But it's hard. It's hard to do. And as Andrew Murray says, many people, it takes a long time to learn this lesson. It takes some 
humility to consider ourselves helpless. We have to rid ourselves of pride. Rid ourselves of our status. We have to rid ourselves of, of, of sinful things or things that not aren't or not necessarily sinful, but in the context of, of giving it over to God are becoming idols, and we have to give that away. And we have to surrender to the Lord. To the best and the only place. For true worshipers is to be helpless. The second lesson that Andrew Murray says that that we must all learn is that what is impossible to man is possible with God. What's impossible to man is possible with God. You see, God did the impossible. He did what the the rich man couldn't do. And he did what we cannot do. And he has done what no one else could ever do. For he made it. He made it possible for us to inherit eternal life in heaven and to be saved from our sins and and an eternity that is destined for, for hell. And how did he do the impossible? Through sending his son, Jesus. To be born in a manger in Bethlehem. To, to, be, to grow up and to live the, the perfect. Keeping the law perfectly. The sinless life being, you know, in one sense, the rich Ruler was right. He, he is good. He lived a sinless, perfect life that none of us could ever live. But the good news of the gospel is that he, he died the death that we deserve. He paid the penalty for our sin. He took on our punishment, what we deserve when he died on that cross. But if he stayed dead, it wouldn't be good news, would it? As Paul says, we would still be dead in our sins, and we should be pitied above all. But on the third day, he rose from the grave, and in doing so, he defeated both sin and death, and now he reigns at the right hand of his Father. He is God, and he is holy. He is pure. He is good. So salvation comes not from us trying from ourselves, but it comes through faith in Jesus and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I think, yeah, I get this, Adam. Look, I, you know, when I was a kid, I went to VBS and I walked down the aisle and I... No, it's I was baptized in here. I've got the certificate, the little the Bible, it's got the date and time and everything. You know, and okay, what what does this have to do? I've been there, done that. <laughs> and praise the Lord. Uh, that that's my story. In fact, my dad and I were were talking about it just the other day when we shared that Riley had had uh, trusted in the Lord and is going to be baptized. And he said, I remember when you were. When you got saved, you said, son, it was the worst revival preacher I've ever had. And I was like, 
He's like, okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't quite remember that. And he said, but I knew something was going on because mom, we sat in the back and he said, mom was telling me that uh, that you were kind of writing. Mom, mom's a doodler, any doodlers, the bulletin. Uh, she would just doodle, doodle, doodle throughout the service. And so I guess I was imitated. I was doodling. Not I can't hold up, stick to her. But um, and, and and she said when they got to the invitation time, she said he stopped. She's like I knew something was going on. And and, and and dad, he said I was up there, and he's like honestly I was feeling pretty defeated. He said here we had brought this guy, you know, on a good recommendation, and it was like ain't nobody getting saved from this preacher here. And. And sure enough, he said, I see you walk out. And he's like, I thought you had to go to the bathroom or something. You know, what's going on? And he said, I want to be saved. And that's in that moment. And he said, right. What I thought was impossible. God made possible. And so when we are saved, yes, God has done But leaning into the gospel, it is this continual life of surrender. We've never arrived until we're in heaven. We must daily commit to surrendering all that we have to to the Lord. How do we live a life of worship? I think, how do we live this, this life of worship? Well, I want you to think. In your day, from the moment that you wake up in the morning, go get your coffee, or in my case, pot of coffee, and, and, and you eat your breakfast, go to work, and, and then you come home, and you deal with family, and, and all, everything that you're in. Are you living in surrender? Not to other people. I know. Right, we're, being surrendered does not mean that we are weak. Doesn't mean that we should be walked on. Right? By the word, doesn't mean that we should be taken advantage of. Okay, I we we surrender to the Lord. We don't surrender to, you know, to uh, sinful actions. Okay, I right, but but we are to live a life in obedience to God. And so through the good times, we worship. We give Him honor, praise, and glory. Through the, the difficult seasons in life, we do the same. And we kind of pull back our, the skinful scales that are on our eyes and, and, and see the world through the lenses of God. Because so much of, I think, it says that our, our default, our tendency is to, is to kind of just, just look at the world everybody else does and like, man, this place is in a mess. Look, I just, there's no hope for America. You know, we're too far gone. I do it myself. I've done it already today. And we begin to keep speaking of what cannot happen, what is impossible, what is and. In part, that is true. There's nothing that we can, can do to bring salvation. Right? But God does the impossible. So when we hear about that, go to the doctor and receive that diagnosis that it's like, look, I don't know what we can do. 
kind of seems impossible. What do we do in that moment? Well, we, we cry out to the Lord say, God, do the impossible if that be your will. Because his ways are, are not our ways. He is omnipotent, all-knowing. He is omniscient, all-seeing. He knows what we do not. It's that we live in complete surrender to him. And a lot of life is kind of how we react to things. Uh, I mean, the best thing for us to do is realize there's very little that we can control, right? <laughs> Hardly anything can we control, but, but it's how we react to other uh, things. And so, you know, when, when we are punched in the face or maybe a foul ball comes and knocks us in the cheek or maybe you're dressed down by your boss in front of your coworkers or... You know, you're in a spot where you're just dealing with just difficult people. How are you reacting? Are you responding in the way that, that, that Jesus would? Our, our scripture reading earlier from 1 John, right, says that if we love God, we must love our brother. And I... Think of um, gentleman uh, Horatio Spafford. You know the story of, of Spafford, but he was a very successful lawyer, a real estate developer in, in Chicago. And Spafford uh, lost much of, of what he had in the, in the Chicago fire. And at that same time, his uh, son died of disease. And so he told his wife and his daughters, he says, why don't you guys just you know, get on the ship and, and, and go over to, to, to England, go to London, go on kind of a vacation, and let's just get away from you know, the drudgery of life. And, and maybe we can find some... I know something to make us smile over there. And, and so they go on and he says, I'll be there. I got to finish up some loose ends. Well, as the, the ship is traveling across the Atlantic, it, 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 it sinks. 200 people on that ship died that day, including all of Horatio Spafford's children. can't imagine the agony that one would go through. And in some ways, it's a blessing. And in the others, it seems even more cruel. But his wife was spared. She lived. Of course, a century plus ago, we didn't have instant communication to know things are happening. So he didn't, Spafford didn't know until his wife gets to to London, and he receives a telegram. And all I said is, our children are gone. What do I do? It seems impossible, doesn't it? What do you do in a case like that? What do you do when you lose so much? 
But it was through that great pain and sorrow that Horatio Spafford, meeting back up with his wife in, in England, wrote words when peace like a river attendeth my way. And sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my son. It is well. It is well. With my soul. With my soul. Oh, it is well. It is well with my soul. Can you say this morning? It is well with your soul. Would you pray with me? Pastor Adam again, thank you for listening to this message. Do you feel God working in your heart? Is he calling you to be saved? Are you ready to follow Jesus? If so, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us on our website at cbcmaysville.com or on our prayer hotline at 305-707-PRAY. That's 305-707-7729. We want to connect with you, to send you some free resources to help you to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I would love to hear your feedback on our sermon podcast. You can email me personally at adam at adamburton.net. And don't forget both our online church service at cbcmaysville.com and on Facebook, as well as our in-person service every Sunday at 1045. I'll be there and I hope you are too. Well, I look forward to joining you again next week for Central Baptist Church's sermon podcast. God bless.